It's good to be here. It's good to be worshiping with you today. And I want to thank Hannah so much for that beautiful, beautiful song. And I want to thank the praise team and Tracy for that wonderful story and Bob and everyone that's been here helping us come into a state of worship. As we continue in worship, I want to invite the Holy Spirit once again to be with us. Father God, we are your children in Christ. We have come united to worship you. And we are asking for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to help us understand your great love for each one of us. And we thank you and praise your name. Amen. It was 4 a.m. in the morning when the beeper rang. And I'd been called numerous times that night When you've been on call at night for over 30 years, you sort of get used to interruptions in your sleep. And I'd been called a couple times before, but this this beeper rang sort of, you know, I had to get the cobwebs out of your mind. And it was a physician from the emergency room that I knew very, very well through the years. And he says, "Um, Jim, Mr. Scott is just not doing well at all. And whenever they say that, you sort of, after the years go on, you know, you know, things aren't going to go as you would hope with this conversation. But he said, yes, his heart rate is running from 28 to 32, which is not good. His blood pressure is 60 to 80, which is not good. His oxygen level had dipped down into the 50 range, and he wasn't doing well. And he said, well, we put him on oxygen, a non-rebreather mask. We're giving him some fluids. We're giving him some pressors. We're trying to speed up his heart rate with some medications. Um, But he's not doing well at all. And we need your help. Well, after four years of college, four years in medical school, three years in residency, three years in a cardiovascular fellowship at the University of Kentucky, I had actually been prepared for this moment. And yet these years now were in the past. The time was now. The preparation would be needed, and it was Game time. Our text today that we want to explore is not a large text, but I want you to carry it with you today and as we move forward. It's Luke 2, verse 52. And if you will open your Bibles or your devices or whatever you bring or your memories... There's something valuable when we actually see the verse as we internalize it. And Jesus increased 
in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We probably could stop right there, but let's give a little bit of context. Luke was a physician, and yet he was transitioning to a new phase in life, evangelism. From the Antioch area, he was Greek, highly intelligent. In fact, he wrote the book of Luke, Lucas, as well as Acts. He was a Gentile, and he wrote to predominantly a Gentile audience, and I would suspect his practice was to the Gentiles in that area in Syria. And he was a very loyal friend to Paul. And the fact that he met Paul was not by chance. The merging of his talents and the merging of Paul's talent, a Hebrew from a totally different culture who was also very gifted, was no accident. This would help their relationship in spreading the gospel to the entire world, both in that time and in our time, as Paul wrote about one-third of the New Testament, and Luke wrote another one-third of the New Testament. Together, that's two-thirds of the New Testament by these men from different cultures, different backgrounds that God brought together to work together for a cause. In Luke 2, 52... Luke, a physician, describes 18 years, 18 years in the life of our Savior. And Luke thought that this time period was worth mentioning, was not mentioning in the other Gospels, but Luke thought it was worth mentioning. And if you think Luke, as a physician, as a healer, must have been amazed when he heard from witnesses about the life of Christ, the healings, the miraculous things that happened, he must just have been amazed and changed. And as a physician, I don't know what came of him, but some reason at a very young age, he decided, I don't want to be this type of physician. I want to be a different type of physician. And he transitioned into a whole new ministry. Well, these 18 years in the life of Christ, these were ministry as he increased in wisdom and stature, as well as training years for him. This time period in his life, 18 years, was greater than the three years it was to follow. And in this time, Christ glorified the Father as he was preparing for his ultimate purpose, his big game time. And yet, in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19, he was a lamb without blemish, the perfect sacrifice. So a perfect sacrifice can still increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Luke was, had great command of the Greek language. 
And the word he used for increase was prokopi. That means steady progress, moving forward. Not complete progress, but steady progress. The word he used for wisdom, Sophie, was a broad and full intelligence. Broad and full. And then we see the words he used, stature. The physical temple that we all have. And in favor with God and man. So in the first part of the book text, wisdom and stature, this is the relationship with himself. And in favor with God and man, this is the relationship he was going to have with others in the world. So Luke explains in just one short verse a time of preparation as a part of God's will. A very exciting years. And I wish I could have been there and watched some of the things that happened. But can you imagine those that watched his life as he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor? They must have been moved as well. As we look back through the scriptures, we ask ourselves, has others been prepared for a special purpose? I think back of Joseph. Joseph. And the story is in Genesis 37. Something good to read this afternoon. 22 years in Egypt. And if we remember the story, he got to Egypt. He was in a pit. His brothers were mean to him. They sold him off. What a terrible thing. He started out as a slave in Potiphar's house. Things didn't work out well there. He ended up in prison. Then through remarkable circumstances, he was dealing with the famine. And after that, it was his time to save his people from famine, death, and basically deliver life to his people. And I ask, in those 22 years, did Joseph increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man? We move forward and think about Moses in Exodus 2. The first 40 years of his life might have been pretty good in Egypt. You know, he lived in the best house there could be, had good food to eat, had it pretty easy. The next 40 years, it wasn't so easy for him. In Midian with Jethro, he married, had a family. This was preparation time for him to deliver the Israelites out of slavery, and take them to the promised land. Which begs the question, did Moses increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man through the years, through his time in the herds? We think about Daniel preparing as a teenager to become integral in Babylon. Babylon, the greatest country, the greatest kingdom in the world at that time. And he was just trained for a short period of time, and yet his game time went through numerous situations, several kings, and he was showing the whole time, his game time, that the kingdom of God is eternal, and God is all-powerful, the true God. Which begs the question, 
did Daniel increase during these years in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man? And in this process, was this increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man a one-time thing for just a few years? Or was this an ongoing process that occurred every day of their lives? So it begs a couple questions. Why did Luke put this in the chapter? And how can I apply this to my life? Because I want to increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God as man as well. So why? Well, the why might be from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. And I've already heard this verse today in Sabbath school. So whatever you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. So the why might be an answer to the why. He put it in there is to show that everything we do, we want to do to the glory of God. So how? How do we increase in wisdom? How do we increase in stature? How do we increase in favor with God and man? So I think it's very important to start with the wisdom part because wisdom is going to affect everything. So I'm going to give a few strategies to help us understand how we can increase in wisdom. And the first is from Proverbs 3, verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. He's going to direct thy neuropathways in the brain. Well, how do we increase in wisdom? Well, wisdom is not necessarily intelligence, nor is it necessarily having a lot of facts. A lot of people can know a lot of things, right? Until 1900, knowledge in the world doubled about every 100 years. Every 100 years. Um, At World War II, it was estimated that knowledge was increasing every 25 years. Every 25 years. And at that short period of time. Today, knowledge, facts, doubles about every 12 hours. Every 12 hours. And I've seen my career in cardiology over 30 years. Nothing's the same as it used to be. James 1.5 tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to us freely. So in understanding a little bit about wisdom, you must think that wisdom is nothing that comes from me. Wisdom is from God. And when we think about anatomically what part that develops in is wisdom is developed in our brains. In the Bible, it also mentions, create me a new heart, a new brain, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things. The anatomical part is called the prefrontal cortex. Some even name 
have a part that I think that God communicates through us and to us called the anterior cingulate cortex. And there's been research done into that part of the brain, which that part of the brain grows when we actually worship. All inputs in life, both the passive as well as the active inputs, are processed in the brain. We have to do something with every input that comes into us. And they develop these pathways called neuropathways. And some neuropathways are good. Some neuropathways are bad. Some people think of neuropathways as ways of behavior, habits, those type of things. But I like to use the, the, the anatomic word neuropathways. So our goal is to get neuropathways to reflect wisdom. That brings us back to in all ways acknowledge him and he will direct paths. Maybe this is talking about neuropathways. So this afternoon, as we look at some strategies of how to increase in wisdom, etc., I don't have time to go through Psalms 119, verse 33 and 40 in great detail, but I want you to save that for you to do this afternoon. But I want to give you eight strategies, eight biblical treatments, suggestions, recommendations, or a plan to help each one of us increase in wisdom and stature. And in verse 33 in Psalms 19, it says, teach me your ways. So wisdom is coming from God. It's coming from his ways, not our ways. In verse 34, help me understand them. Sometimes we don't understand God's ways because God's ways is not our ways. So we need help. Constantly we need help in the word. Verse 35, keep me on the right path. In verse 36 is another strategy to help increase in wisdom. Give me the desire to choose your ways and not mine. Notice in the first four strategies here, is there anything that we do to get wisdom? No. There's nothing we do to get wisdom. It's coming from God. Another strategy, and I want you to go over these this afternoon again and again. Read the entire verse. Verse 37, turn my eyes away from worthless distractions. Can anyone think of a worthless distraction? You know, in this world, there's more distractions than ever. I have worthless distractions. I'm sure some of you might have worthless distractions. I think of some of the worthless distractions I've seen recently. You know, this, this, this gaming and the cell phone sometimes is a worthless distraction. And all the paperwork I have to do, sometimes I think that's a worthless distraction. The computer that you have to do every day after every port, after every... Sometimes I think that's a worthless distraction. But I want you to think, do you have worthless distractions in your life? Well, in verse 37, to help us increase wisdom, I'm suggesting that we ask God to turn our eyes away from those worthless distractions in our life as a way of increasing in wisdom. In verse 38, a, another strategy, a biblical treatment, 
um, to help us increase in wisdom that comes from the Scripture. Confirm the things that you have said to me. Well, God speaks to each one of us. I'm hoping that today he's speaking to you right now. He speaks to us in worship, in prayer, in the scripture, through fellow believers, through nature. He speaks to us. But we need to ask to have this wisdom confirm the things you're saying to me. Another strategy that we find in verse 39 of Psalms one time is help me abandon my shameful ways. Help me to abandon my shameful ways. Can anyone here, don't raise your hands, think about something in their life that might have been shameful? I think everyone has. I've done so many shameful things, I just don't even want to think about them. But to have wisdom help me to abandon them. If I have them now, my shameful ways, that's coming from God again to help us increase in wisdom. And the last one, the the eighth strategy to help increase in wisdom today is renew my life with goodness. So how to increase in wisdom, it's all coming from God through his promises in the Bible. That's how we do it. We can't do it ourselves. It's not intelligence. It's not facts. How to increase in wisdom comes from God. And with that, as we gain wisdom and the brain is working, well, then we can start talking about how do we increase in stature? How did Christ increase in his stature? Well, that's his physical being, the physical temple, the healthy living that we've talked about. Healthy living, including the brain, the food we eat, the rest, the water, the movement, the whole balance in taking care of the physical temple where he wants and currently dwelling. You know, if If I went out and stayed in someone's house, you know, I'd want that house to look pretty nice, wouldn't I? I want to have some, you know, some good accommodations. I wouldn't wouldn't want it to be messy. Well, that's one way we can increase. We can increase that by by living healthy, increasing our temple. Well, that's the relationship with, with him. But how do we increase, you know, in favor with God and in favor with man? How do we find favor with God? Well, we think back to the time at his baptism. Remember, he says, this is my son in who I am well pleased. And remember, that was at the time he was finishing these years that we talked about. So he was pleased with Christ living in favor with God and man. He was pleased with this growing in stature. So how do we have favor with God? I'm not going to make this too complicated, but we find favor with God when we live like Christ. We want to glorify God. We show 
our love for God with obedience, with surrender, how we use our time, and basically being in relationship with Christ, the process of being in relationship. So how we've talked about how do we grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God? Well, how do we grow in favor with man? And this was very important, so important that Luke mentioned it as part of a balance. How do we grow in favor with man? Well, it's not by not being with him. And this pandemic has brought everyone away from each other. You know, this social media has taken us apart in relationships. We serve we want to grow with man by serving him. We have to spend time with our fellow man, not live our lives in isolation. We want to serve the community of believers like we're doing today by being together, by worshiping together, by loving each other, by uplifting each other, both in the downs as well as the highs. This was all very important. And we also want to take this favor with man and take it to our friends and neighbors and meet them where they're at because we want them also to have this relationship with Christ that can bring joy in their life. So as we think of Luke 2.52, just this process of growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, this might just be our game time and there might be nothing more as others observe us the way we live that might be our game time or as we've seen before it might be in preparation for something more according to God's will for us but at the same time even if there is something more we don't abandon living daily and growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man Joseph, Joseph in 22 years brought glory to God in his preparation. In the house of Potiphar, in prison, they were watching him. Many saw him along the way, and he eventually rescued Israel. Don't you think in Moses, in the 40 years in the wilderness, he brought glory to God as he ministered to his family and his fellow workers as he let God direct his path, and eventually God called him to lead Israel out of slavery and to the promised land. In Christ, in his 18 years, he's brought glory to God in his preparation for giving God the greatest glory in history when he gave his life for me, he gave his life for you. Our game time today, I want to suggest, is a process of daily increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's in the southeast part of the United States, and many of you might have been there. And this time of year, football is very, very popular there. 
we have a group of football teams that are in a conference called the Southeastern Conference. And it's very big right now. Everyone talks about it. I guess in this area, it's probably the Big Ten Football Conference. And some people in Chattanooga love the Tennessee Volunteers. That's our local team. However, when you live in the border state, some people love Georgia. And some people love Alabama. Those are probably the three biggest teams that people talk about. And in order to have favor with fellow man, I have to sort of meet them where they're at. So I've learned a little bit about football so I can sort of connect with people. So I think it's important that we find ways to connect with people. So I've learned about football. And I found out that, that in the University of Alabama, they have a very famous coach named Nick Saban. And in fact, he's a coach that's won seven national championships. And I know a little bit about it because my son goes to school at the University of Alabama. So he's taught me quite a bit as well. And in preparing the football team for a mere game, Nick Saban says, it's all about the process, the process. Everyone on the team buying in from equipment managers to the nutritionists to those on the bench who never see a moment in the game to those that there might be called just to make one block or also those that run and throw and catch the ball. His point is that everyone all are needed, but... It's all about the process, and everyone must stick to the process. Even if there's injuries, even if there's fumbles, even if there's interceptions, even if there's great runs and touchdowns, it's all about the process. Can the Christian life be thought of as a process, with its highs, the miracles, the blessings, the worshiping together like we're doing today. This is a high, right? Everyone here is pretty quiet. Is that the rule in Thompsonville, Pastor? Be quiet, or can we say praise God? The highs, as well as the lows, the trials, the physical trials, the illnesses, the sufferings, the not feeling good, the economic trials, and yes, the emotional trials. All those voices you have in your head that says stuff that you just don't want to hear. But we have a game plan. We have a process. And as you increase in wisdom and stature, in time, we're going to discover it's little about what I do but as we've seen, it's about surrendering to him, to allowing him to work in me in his time. As I got to the emergency room and walked in with the team, his heart rate was actually in the 20s. And the emergency doctor was right. Mr. Scott did not look very well at all. In fact, he was incoherent at that time. The team was around, and um, we'd done this before, 
So we carefully took a catheter and put it in his right femoral vein. And we slowly, under fluoroscopic guidance, so we could see where it going, moved it up the inferior vena cava into the right ventricle um, eventually and hooked it up to a battery which powered it and started pacing his heart at about 80 beats a minute. And almost immediately, his blood pressure increased to a normal range. His oxygen level went up and life-giving blood was throwing, flowing throughout his body. He was now alive. Mr. Scott was doing well. Well, everyone in that room that day, this was this team's game time. Working together for a cause. My question today, as we internalize this verse, is this. Are we seeking to increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man? And I know the question is yes to that for everyone that's here. And if you have a desire to have the Holy Spirit even work in a greater way as we move forward in time, I want to invite you to stand with me today. If you have this desire, even to a greater measure, to increase in your wisdom, to increase your stature, and in favor with God and man. And if I look at the world we live in right now, you can come to the conclusion that this is probably game time for each one of us. Whether our time might be just living as examples or whether God has called us to do something more. So as we commit ourselves to a greater level, Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to daily prepare and accept God's will for each one of us. We recognize that we are part of a mighty team, the body of Christ, and we have a calling. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. May that happen in our lives, Father, as we prepare for our game time today. Amen. Our closing hymn will be, I'm waiting to see it on the screen. There we go. 316, Live Out Thy Life Within Me.
Father, go with us this day and give us your peace and help us to have a chronic state of worship is our humble prayer. Amen. As you're being dismissed, just before you leave, will you bless us?